What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? This is the Duchess of Sassy Town, and I am sitting here on my blue throne. I'm recording this on a Monday this time, on a Monday afternoon, because I have a lot of things to do tomorrow. Well, not really, but anyway, I hope everyone is doing well. And as usual, I'd like to start off thanking everyone for listening and the comments and everything in between. I really appreciate it, and I want you guys to listen and share. Somehow, you guys keep forgetting to listen and share. So once you get through listening, if you miss it, it's also rebroadcast on Saturdays at 6 p.m. Central Time on Dub City Radio, which is found on the 365 app. Check it out there as well. And I do believe pretty soon um, I'll be a radio co-host with that uh, the station owner. So that'll be pretty cool to get excited about. Anyway, a few things that have been going on. Um, Some of you already know, I am the vice chairman now of the Human Rights Commission, which is pretty cool. I have no clue what I'm doing, but I guess I'll learn really fast. And I'm also going to be working with Habitat for Humanity as well. I'm not sure my official capacity, but I will be with them as well. And there's more great things coming, coming along. And uh, I bet what I'm trying to do is get myself to go national, kind of like Stacey Abrams. I wish I could be at that level, but kind of like Stacey Abrams for equality for everybody. So anyway, this is a part two continuation from last week when I was talking about the the verdict for Derek Chauvin. And shortly after I posted the last one, he was found guilty on all three counts. Well, this is a follow-up of that. If you saw the verdict, if you noticed how he was sitting there all smug and looking around, and on that first count when they said guilty, his facial expression changed and he had a mask on and you could see it changed. When they said guilty on the second count, he saw his eyes get really wide. When they say guilty on the third one, he looked around the courtroom like, what? I couldn't believe this happened to me. And there was a, a video clip that a comedian did and my son showed me. And it was funny, you know, his take on it was Eric Chauvin looked around the room like he was stunned and looked around and said, I can't be guilty because I'm white. I'm not guilty because I'm white. And he just kind of went on like that. And it was kind of funny, but that's exactly the look he had on his face. Like, wow, I cannot believe that they just convicted me. So all in all, you know, people are curious as to what's the maximum that he's facing. You know, not that he's getting 25 years for this, 25 years for that. If he serves those all consecutively, he is looking at a maximum of 40 years in prison. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. So the second count of the third degree murder carries a penalty of up to 25 years, but he will only be sentenced on the top count as per state law. So the third account, 
he was convicted of second degree manslaughter, which carries a 10 year maximum. But he will, all, he will also not face sentencing on that count for state law. While the second degree murder carries a statutory maximum of 40 years, it's likely he'll face far less time when he is sentenced as per state sentencing guidelines. So the guidelines call for about 12 years in prison. But prosecutors have asked for an upward departure from that, which could add a number of years to the sentence. So people are complaining how fast the jury came back. It took them a little more than 10 hours. Um, now, had he been found guilty, I'm sorry, had he been found innocent, you know, the other side would have been complaining, or oh, they didn't deliberate long enough. So nobody's going to think that he deliberated long enough. Is he going to get 40 years? Probably not. He probably won't. You know, um, it's interesting that anybody else that goes in there for this, you know, and they get the same sentence, they're serving all of those consecutively. He won't face that. But, you know, he's going to get something. He's going to do some pretty good time. And right now he's in a federal institution and he's protected. He is in a, a segregated unit for his own protection. And that's prison speak for he's put on there with the rest of the, the Aryan nation and the skinheads and everybody else. So, you know, if you, don't, if you know how a prison runs, you know that, you know, each, each race sticks to their own. So he's gonna be with the white population and it's a matter of how long and being that they all hate black people, he'll probably do fine. Um, I think he should be put in general pop. That's where he belongs, but you know, go figure, they shelter him away. So the other three that have been charged well, these, uh, their trial is August 23rd of this year. So we'll have to see how their sentences go and, you know, what they're looking at because I think they're facing second degree manslaughter, third degree manslaughter. So they're still looking at possibly doing some time. Um, we'll have to see how that works out because they're, they're going to face something. Let me look it up here. Three officers. Let's take a look here and see what it says. So here I show that, uh, yes, the 23rd of August, they will be on trial. And it's also showing that Chauvin can get 12 and a half years. So that's about where we are. And I'm hoping that he gets more. But the other three, they wanted to try them along with Chauvin and the judge put a kibosh on that one. And if you didn't know, they tried to bring up past incidences that Derek Chauvin had done. So there were other black people that he brutalized. And I think one was in 2019 and I don't recall when the other one was. So this is a pattern of behavior for him. 
So, you know, anyone that's claiming that it was an accident, look at the footage. The man sat there. Not only did he sit there, he adjusted his weight. Then he looked directly at the young lady that was taking video. He didn't care. He did not care. So the judge mixed the other three, but their trial will be together. So all three will be facing trial on the same day. They've been charged with two counts of aiding and abetting, one for second degree murder and one for second degree manslaughter. They would also face the same maximum penalty of 40 years in prison if they're found guilty of aiding and abetting second degree unintentional murder. A guilty verdict on aiding and abetting second degree manslaughter would expose them to a maximum of 10 years in prison. So, you know, it's kind of interesting to see where that will end up. So they're looking at the maximum of 40 to see what they get. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they get more time for Chauvin, which means that they would get more time for basically not doing anything. Now, that would be nice to see. However, I think it's a bit unfair if they get more time because they aided and abetted. They weren't the actual murderer. So out of the three, Chauvin was the most experienced in the group. And he was also the, you know, the field training officer. He had 19 years on the force. Now they're looking at charging him with the two other crimes of brutality. So that's, you know, they're looking at filing charges against that now. Which would, if he's found guilty, of course, give him more time behind bars. I would say it's safe to guess that he won't see the light of day until he's a very old man and it serves him right, unless somebody kills him in prison, you know? But these other three, yeah, they're facing the same 40 years. They won't get it. You know, they might get a couple of years less than Chauvin, but they're not gonna get away with it. So that's where that case stands at the moment as of this podcast. Now, the other one is Kim Potter. This knucklehead is, has already had her first trial or her first hearing, I should say. And of course she pled not guilty, of course. And let's see here. She's been charged with second degree manslaughter we did not. So, uh, okay. That was a call. Okay, I did that last week. I apologize. I did it last week. Sorry. So she's facing, what did I say, second degree manslaughter. So it's, it's interesting um, the way hers is turning out because now they're, they're focusing on the act of we're gonna make police officers accountable. And there's a lot of pushback from people saying that they want, what is it, blanket immunity, special circumstances immunity, which would leave the officers immune, but you'd be able to charge the police department. This is what's going back and forth now. So the Republicans, they wanna talk, but that's what they want. 
They want full immunity for their police officers, but they'll agree to charging the police department. I don't agree with that. And I'm hopefully hoping the Democrats don't fall for that one either, because then that means you are letting a murderer back on the street. Obviously, they don't care because, you know, they want their supremacists protected at all costs. So Potter here, she's 48 years old and she's been on the police force for 26 years. She was with Brooklyn for 26 years. And I'm still amazed at how she was a training officer, but she couldn't tell not only the color of when she pulled her revolver off, she couldn't see that it was black and the weight of it, it's heavier than a taser, which is bright yellow. And it doesn't have a line of sight, a revolver does. If you've seen the video, you know, they're like, oh, it all happened so fast. Actually, it really didn't. If you see the real time video, it really didn't. She had enough time to realize that she had pulled out the wrong thing. Not to mention the officer that she had kind of stepped in his way to move him out of the way, he didn't say anything either. And the only thing that said after the video was kind of like a, a cop out, oh shit, I, I shot him. Well, damn, okay. What does that say in the video? Oh, I'm sorry, it was an accident. You know, trying to pretend you didn't know you shot him. She knew. And the killing part is the department did not ask her to resign. They were just going to place her on administrative leave, which means while they're digging up all the facts of this case, she's getting paid. She chose to resign. I'm not sure. Well, wait, here we go. She is entitled to benefits following her resignation, though it's not clear what those benefits are. But this is as of last Wednesday. So the same attorney that represented the officer in the, in the Floyd case is also going to be representing her. If any of you saw any of the testimony, you'll see how poorly he did because he was talking about recipes for chocolate chip cookies. He was rambling. He was trying to blame the person for, uh, I'm sorry, he was trying to blame George Floyd for his own murder. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with this case. He's probably going to say, you know, he should have gotten back in the car. That may be true. But he was pulled over for a tag violation and because he had something hanging from his mirror, which I don't think is illegal. Well, maybe in some states it is. I don't know. But that's the reason he was pulled over. And he was subdued. So there was no reason to come at him the way she did in the first place. So I'm not saying that she set out to, to, to harm this young man, but these officers falling back on the whole thing of they were scared for their life. Isn't that what that George dude in Florida did with Trayvon Martin? I was scared for my life and he had no reason to be. So this is gonna be the standard cry of the cops now. I was afraid for my life, you're a cop. If you're going to be a scaredy cat, don't be a cop. You know, I understand that your life is put in danger every single day. I get it. 
I really do. But it goes with the job. You know, you have no problem with sending our, our men and women to other countries to fight for this country. You don't think about them that they can lose their lives literally when they be playing and try to get camp set up, they can lose their lives in that moment. It goes with the job. When I was a corrections officer, I knew every day there was a chance I might not come back home. Even though I worked with the juveniles, they were in there for murder. And they had already murdered the librarian that used to work there. So yes, I was very full aware that there's a chance I might not come home to my son who was a baby at the time. This is something you do. This is something men and women do every single day. Now, she had a weapon. I had a key and a radio. Granted, the key was bigger than my hand, but that's all I had. We weren't allowed to have weapons because I was in juvenile. So she pulls this weapon out after she gets in the other cop's way who already had him subdued. I don't think anybody's thought of the fact that when the cop handcuffed him, he never moved him away from the open door of his car. That's arrest 101. Move them away from an open door so they don't, they don't try to fight. They get back in, inside that door and take off. So he should have been moved to the back of the vehicle. And maybe the other officer was getting ready to do that as he had handcuffed him and he was gonna walk him down there until she walked up there. We're not going to know. So quite naturally, she pleaded innocent. I'm sorry, not guilty. And her, her first hearing was on the 17th. So no, I'm sorry, her next court hearing is on May 17th. And let's see, what kind of a time is she looking at here? Beautiful mugshot. Mm -mm -mm. Love to see it when they're on the other side. You, you know, the hearing is going to be done remotely. And here's what's funny the judge's name is Regina Chu. So, yeah, that's going to be interesting. So, if she is convicted, if Tim Potter is convicted, she is facing up to 10 years in prison and a $20,000 fine. I'm guessing the fine won't be a problem because when she was arrested and booked on April 14th, she was released later that day after posting a $100,000 bond. $100,000. So if she faces a $20,000 fine, she can pay that off probably before she goes to prison unless they took out a second mortgage on the house. Will she do up to 10 years? That will be interesting because her case is before the other three cops. So we'll have to see how that all that plays out. And then there is the cop in Chicago. When they put out the expanded video of this child being shot. Oh, wait, let's back up, let's back up. The same day as the verdict came down for Derek Chauvin, the young lady was shot and killed in Ohio. 
Um, that case, I do believe he was the one that called the cops. And it turns out she was living in a, a foster home. So when they talked to her mother, I was kind of confused by that. Why is she in a foster home? And then her mother speaking. So she's in a foster home. I'm going to guess that mom really didn't know what was going on in the first place. And, you know, kids from foster homes, they're not pleasant. I mean, the kids are basically paychecks to somebody else. So they get treated kind of crappy. But she had a knife. Nobody is disputing the fact that she had a knife. So we, we get that. If this video pops up, excuse me, don't kill me, don't shoot me. Um, she, she had a knife. And she had already gotten one woman down, apparently, right before the cops came up. But when they pulled up to the scene, they had already had their guns drawn. Um, there was somebody in a car. And it kind of shows like the young lady was trying to stab the other one just before she was shot. I think my problem is, you know, her name was Makaya Bryant and she was 16 years old and she was in the foster care system. My problem is the duty of the cop is to de-escalate the situation, not by, not by deadly force. And lately, when it comes to black and brown people, it's been de-escalate by deadly force. Boom, you shoot the person that are dead, you, just, you know, there's nothing else going on. In this case, he could have shot the young lady in her leg that would have taken her down and pretty much rendered her subdued, you know? Because once you go down and see shot in the leg, you're not getting up for a few minutes until you get helped up. So the fact that this happened right before the, uh, the other verdict, it, it's just, they don't care. They don't care. What people need to understand is hatred is not the issue. And I saw this the other day online. Hatred is not the issue. And difference is you can hate anybody you want to hate. You know? But most people would still help somebody or still not hurt anybody that they hated. Most people. And differences where you just really don't give a shit. And that's what that was. If you saw the video from the Chauvin trial, he didn't care. He stared off like it was another day at the job. Kim Potter, I think she just made that sound bite because of the body cams. Oh shit, I shot him. I think she just made that, you know, just to kind of cover her ass. But this one in Columbus, you know, I'm not sure what to think because the Columbus Police Department sucks, number one. 
you know, my brother was killed out there and they decided because he had cocaine in his system, a trace of it, that he died from a cocaine heart attack. You know, he had chronic asthma, but the, the coroner said he showed no signs of asthma. He's had asthma since he was like three years old. But I digress. So what happens to this, this young girl? First of all, she was already let down by her family and she ends up in a foster home. And then she's in a situation to where she feels threatened enough that she goes and she grabs a butter knife. That's the silver knife that doesn't have a sharp edge. So even to stab somebody with that, you have to have a lot of strength to actually get that to do anything. So I can see subduing the other person to de-escalate the situation. I don't understand popping four or five bullets into somebody's chest. You know, these cops take target practice on a regular basis to stay sharp. So he knew where he was aiming. He could have just as simply aimed for her foot, aimed for her leg, he aimed for her chest. Now this was a, you know, she was a, you know, she was a uh, hefty little lady. So it's safe to say that had she been shot in the leg or something, that would have incapacitated her. It would not have killed her, not necessarily. But the car, the cop gets out of the car, out of the car, and he's already screaming, "Get down, get down!" This, oh, yeah, she has four bullets. He's already screaming, "Get down, get down, get down!" So he came in hostile to a hostile situation already. The training that these officers get, they are supposed to be trained to de-escalate situations. If you can't, talk them down. If not, you have tasers. He could have tased her first, you know? He, I mean, sometimes using a tailor can be Taser, I'm sorry, can be deadly as well, but he could have tased her. He did not have to come out with his weapon drawn. The call was for somebody with a knife. So you bring a gun for a knife fight instead of a taser. Or even a weapon that had rubber bullets, something that was going to be non-lethal. And that didn't happen. So where are we? with the state of our police department. Well, for once, you're gonna actually hear me defend Donald Trump. If you think back, and some of us have to go way back, when Nixon was president, this whole thing of keep America great you know, he had a lot of dog whistles that people didn't pick up back then. Jimmy Carter gets in office and, you know, he's all kumbaya. That's about it. I mean, he did some good things. He did some mostly not good things. You know, our economy sucked. 
Reagan gets in office, Mr. Good-looking movie star, and the first thing he starts saying is, we must make America great again. That's where Trump got that from. Reagan brought in the idea of the welfare queen. The welfare queen. The war on drugs. So what happened is they figured out that we're going to kind of dump off drugs in black neighborhoods and the cops were told to target black and brown people. There are, there is a slight, slightly large, larger population with the white people than there are with the, the black and brown people. But yet the black and brown people make up more people in jail. And a lot of them are in there for drug offenses, as are the white people. But the black people get harsher sentences. They get targeted more often than not than the white people. So this was, you know, this was Reagan's idea of how to deal with the problem. Now you create a system where the black mother becomes the head of the household and you start fearing, you start fearing the cops. So the black women, they're working and some are getting public aid, daycare costs to care for their children because that, you know, from some of them were stay-at-home moms. So now you, you created this problem of the absentee father on a, you know, sometimes a trumped up drug charge. So when you do that, you create a system of deprivation, a system of less than, and a system of needs, not what you want, but what you need that should have readily been available. But because of this war on drugs, because of everything else that Reagan was saying to do, the cops became more hostile and they were getting away with it. We didn't have cell phone video footage like we do now. And in fact, right now they're trying to pass a law to make it illegal to, to some officers. I don't think it'll pass, but you know, in some states they might enact the law on their own and then you just have to fight it all the way up to the top. But once you remove the head of the household and you incarcerate him, and he's been incarcerated for some years and he comes out, he doesn't get to go back to that family because now that single mom is on section eight. And a lot of places, if you have section eight and there is somebody in your family that has been convicted of a felony, does not get to live with you. So now you're still keeping the family separated. And nowadays you're keeping sons from their mother because some of them have charges. You're keeping brothers from sisters. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Families cannot be together if they have section eight. So people are doing a lot of sneaking around. And I don't think the, I don't think that should be a barrier to housing, but here we are. So the person comes out of jail after a long, after a lengthy stay, where is he supposed to go?
what is he supposed to do? There are, there used to be more job training programs for ex-offenders than there are now. They're starting to pop up again, but it's not enough. So for instance, what happens to Chauvin when he gets out of prison? He's been surrounded by white supremacists, neo-Nazis, skinheads the whole time he's locked up, unless they put him in general pop, which they won't do. What happens to him when he gets out? What is he going to do? Well, now he's learned how to game the system even more than he already was because white privilege allows that. So what's he going to do? He's going to come out and he's going to become a full-fledged member, if he's not already, of one of these organizations. And, and that's what he's going to do because he won't be able to do anything else. He's never gonna get hired as an officer again. That won't happen because once they do that and people find out, they're gonna get them on the streets. So they don't want street justice. But if we look at the big picture, these officers already know how to murder, but the need to use deadly force for any stop is ridiculous. For any call that they get is ridiculous. So we get to Trump and his rhetoric, and he just incited that even more, even more. Even Bush had his own rhetoric. You know, those that try to do right by all the people, not just one race over the other, end up assassinated. That's what happened to John Kennedy. That's what happened to his brother. That's what happened to Martin Luther King Jr. If you're trying to do right by all people, even Rosa Parks, back in her younger years, was actually an activist the whole, before the whole bus incident happened. And she was going to people's houses, women's houses, down south in Georgia. And she was physically removed from one town and told not to come back. She was sexually assaulted by a white man in Georgia and told not to say anything. So when the black and brown people are treated like animals, you know, where does that leave us? What type of protection does that leave us? Okay, so two cops so far are gonna get jail time. Well, then people forgot about the whole Drew Peterson case back in Illinois where he's accused of killing his third wife, even though his second wife disappeared and was found dead. I think they found her body. That way, that's the one he's accused of, is the second wife. The third one hasn't been found yet. So they didn't bring up charges on that, but the family still has no answers, but he's in, in prison on the charges of killing his second wife. And for a while, there were people saying, free Drew Peterson. One news reporter from Chicago basically got kicked out of news reporting on the station at least, 
because she became chummy with him. You're not supposed to become friends with the person that's a suspect that makes them question you, but yet she did it anyway. And you know, she's still in media, she's still doing well. You just won't probably see her on TV anymore. What message are we sending for our black and brown population, our LGBTQ population? What are we telling these people? That if a white cop pulls up, you're nothing to them. They're indifferent to you even being human. Now, why does this still keep happening? And you know, why does it seem like nobody's doing anything about it? Well, you see the pushback already coming for Derek Chauvin and the pushback for uh, Kim Potter. It's interesting that you can watch a man snuff the life out of somebody slowly and then have an attorney get a medical examiner to say, well, he already had heart conditions. He had methamphetamines in his system and he had uh, carbon dioxide, carbon monoxide poisoning because his face was next to the tailpipe. The vehicle that he was next to does not emit a lot of monoxide. It doesn't. But that's what the medical examiner said. Well, everybody knows that's not true. And the medical examiner is being, being investigated now and they're reopening his prior cases. So there might be some more fallout from this case. Now, all you need is the person at the top to try to put a stop to this. You know, the fish right from the head. When the person at the top is the president of the United States and the director of the FBI, that's where it needs to start. Now, Hoover tried it later, but Hoover is allegedly behind a lot of black people being killed. You know, um, allegedly, Louis Farrakhan and his cronies at one time worked with the FBI. So what they do is they find a weak black person to go inside the group because you're not gonna turn away your own. And they get them to watch them and snitch on them and tell them everything, which is how they knew where Martin was. Somebody, anybody that was standing on that balcony, one of them told them where King was going to be, because that is not the original place he was supposed to spend the night. That was the second choice. Well, somebody on that balcony, and I'm not going to say any names, but I, I do have a very good idea of who it was. Um, let them know where they were going to be. You know, somebody told Hoover where King was going to be. And Hoover was covering up for his own secrets of being an alleged cross-dresser. So he was hiding that. You know, he had a lot to hide and this, that, and the other. Well, let's take a look at our president. Carter came in and didn't really address the issue. 
which came in and kind of flamed the fuel or added more fuel to it, I should say. And then the second bush came in and added more fuel to that, which is fuel that Reagan had already thrown on the fire. But you know, people are like, oh, he was the greatest president. He did some things good, but if you paid attention to behind the scenes and what he was doing, not all of it was good. And then we had Mr. Obama. I think I remember once that he mentioned the police brutality and how bad it's getting. But of all the things he could have done to override the Senate, he didn't. He had executive orders, but as many executive orders as he wrote in his whole term, both terms, Trump did that in his first year. He went into office on his first day signing executive orders, basically to shield his family and friends. You know, and his friends were bankers, attorneys, all of them alleged pedophiles and all of them alleged sex traffickers. So he did all these things to protect them. Now they're not protected. So the opportunity to quell a situation at the top is there. Now, Biden comes in and he wants to play ball with both sides when both sides have already said they're not willing to play ball. So you have the majority leader, which is McCarthy, and the minority leader, which is Mitch McConnell. Now, for being the minority leader, that man still wields a lot of power, a lot of power. McCarthy, he's just kind of chicken shit. He's just doing what McConnell is telling him. But then there's Lindsey Graham. Now this girl here is telling people that there is no racism or there is no systemic racism in this country. His face and his lips are so orange, pathetic. He doesn't see race or systemic racism in this country. The police are just doing their jobs. Interesting. I posted a video the other day of an autistic teen being punched in the face by an officer. And then he claimed he didn't know the child was autistic. When the call was made to the dispatcher, she was told the young man was autistic. Usually, the dispatcher relays that information. It hasn't really made a lot of news. And I wonder if it's because the young man was white. I hope that's not the case because that was just as wrong as the officer officers killing the black and brown people. I really hope that's not the case. The young man wasn't killed. He was just beat up and scared. And his father is very pro-police, but now he says, his son will never trust the police again, you think? Autistic people receive others differently. Their natural instinct is if you go near them, they're going to try to get away from you. They don't like to be touched. Now, he was very high on the spectrum because he for sure told the officer, you're hitting me in my fucking face. 
you know, there was a guy beat up by the cops who kept telling him, I'm autistic, I'm autistic, as he was steady getting his ass beat. Where does Biden and, and Kamala Harris come in on this? You know, he acknowledged the police brutality. He acknowledged the racism in the country, which is why Lindsey Graham made his statement. So he's the first president to actually acknowledge the systemic racism in this country. What is he going to do about it? Because you can see leaving things up to the states, look how many different laws are being passed, especially in the Southern states. You know, and that's where the Republicans came up with the immunity to police officers, but you go after the police department. I say go after both. Somebody trained the son of a bitches. Go after both. Now, there's also a listing of states that have in writing the policies of the department. And it states that an officer has to step in and de-escalate a situation of violence that involves a cop. Doesn't matter the tenure on the job or the rank. Meaning a Rudy rookie can stop and should stop his training officer, his sergeant, his lieutenant from beating the bloody hell out of somebody else. And we've seen what those have done, okay? So if these are on the books in all of these jurisdictions, then why aren't the police following it? Now, if you actually think they've been following it all along, no. But there is video of a man taking down a woman in California, a Hispanic woman. And whatever she said to him, he just downed her and started punching her in the face. His fellow officers got him offered and they were like, no man, no man, you can't do this. So there are some cops that are willing to do it, but this also follows the case of Chauvin. Would they have done it before all of this happened? Would they have stopped him from beating a female in the face? These cops go home to their wife and kids like nothing happened throughout the day. Now I will digress and say, I believe these cops have PTSD. I really do. They can get help for that. They have programs set up in your insurance that you can get help for all these things and talk it out. Some type of therapy, because you can't go into a situation ready to kill somebody. You know, even Mayor Daley, the daddy, back in the 60s, gave an order at the convention to shoot to kill, not shoot to maim. You know, you can shoot to maim. You shoot off a toe, okay, you shoot off the toe, but the person is alive. These cops are given orders to shoot and kill, and that's what they're doing. And all this time, they've been justifying it by saying they were afraid for their life or the person resisted. There's a video of a man on a motorcycle with his helmet on being pulled into a driveway. Cop comes out of the car, has the guy put his hands up, but he's got his weapon focused on this guy on a motorcycle. The young man on the porch who belongs with that property 
starts videotaping it because there's a cop that stopped somebody in his yard. Cop asks him if he's videotaping and he says yes. Cop tells him to turn it off. He's like, I don't have to. I have the right to, to film this and I'm on my own front porch. Cop approaches him and tells him, I'm going to take you down. And the guy's like, okay, take me down. Again, this is my property and I can videotape. So the cop took him down and then since the kid was recording it himself, the video stopped. To serve and protect does not mean go on somebody's property and beat the holy shit out of them. It doesn't mean that. No knock warrants shouldn't even be a thing. If it weren't, we still have Breonna Taylor living. There was a lady in Chicago, cops jacked up her place, handcuffed her and her young children, made them stand there on a no-knock warrant after they destroyed the front entrance of that home and it was the wrong address. This happened a few years ago and the city refuses to settle. The damage that the Chicago police officers had done. So where do we go from here now that we've had the Chauvin verdict? Where do we go? You know, how do we go past this? Well, we don't go past it. And I mean, I don't know what other lessons there are to learn. It is a proven fact that cops shoot first and they don't get a chance to ask questions later unless you're white. That has been proven over and over again. Let's see what happens over the next few days Make sure everybody is paying close attention. Watch what they're not saying. Listen to the defenses that are coming up for this cop, especially for the one who wants to talk about chocolate chip cookies. Don't justify a crappy defense for a crappy thing that someone has done. The other person's not here to tell their side of the story. If the young lady that posted the video, the Chauvin, and I'm sorry, I cannot recall her name right now, but if she had not posted it to Facebook and Twitter, the man would have gotten away with murder. That is the only reason, and other people started coming up, other people started posting it. That is the only reason he was brought to trial. Now this young lady, has to fear for her life because she did the right thing. The others that testified have to, you know, have to fear. The police officers that testified against him probably have to fear. The thin blue line is not completely honest when they protect a murderer. The good cops are finally starting to speak up, you know, but it shouldn't take several young black men young black women to die for that to happen. A cop should not be beating the snot out of our women. Is that how they respect their mothers? Is that how they respect their wives or their daughters? There is no reason to take somebody down and beat them in the face. There's just no reason for it. 
I do digress though, because if somebody spits in my face, I'm taking your ass down and your face is gonna look like the devil walked all over it. So, you know, I'll give them that. Anybody spits in your face, that's just nasty, take them down. But you don't take them out. The president needs to come with something stronger than a statement that racism has no place in this country. You're talking over hundreds of years of racism. And now we have Rick Santorum saying, when this country was founded, there was literally nobody here. Nobody but the white people. Negating the fact that the Native Americans were already here on this land, as well as some black people were already here on this land. He goes on camera to say that there was literally nobody here. How does that work out? Because somebody had to teach these white men how to farm the land because at that time the land was so rough, the Native Americans were the only ones who knew how to make that land grow. And what did the Europeans bring over as a gift of gratitude? Weapons, guns, and taught them how to use them before they systematically started to kill them as well. There's a documentary that's out that shows the Irish history going way, way back of dark-skinned men and women with blue eyes, the Black Irishmen. That is a real thing. And when I tell people I have Irish in me, they kind of look at me kind of funny, and that's fine. That's fine. There were Black people in Ireland before there were white people. It's a search, people. It's a search. We should be outraged and not on party lines what these officers are doing to our people. Don't just get outraged because it's black person. Don't just get outraged because it's a white person. Get outraged because it is a black person and the white person gets to tell their story. Be outraged at that for sure. But let's not paint all police officers as bad because they're not all bad. I've known some really good officers and I've known some really shitty officers. I've worked with some good officers and I've worked with some shitty officers. And one of the shitty officers is working right now at Stateville. And he used to choke out the kids. He is still working in the system. So yes, people turn their heads. And I know this personally because I turned my head. What happens when you speak out if you work in a prison? You end up losing your job, which is what happened when I reported that an inmate had my phone number. So there's no justice wherever you look. Now, coming from the top, there's got to be something the top person in the country can do. I don't care what's happening in India. I don't care about the money. Well, I care about the money that's being sent over. But then over here, we don't have money for our own people. Did you know? Statistically, let me get it here. Let me get it. I'm getting it. Let's see. Let's take a good look here. Here we go. Here we go. As soon as it opens, statistics show that 
the number of white people outnumber the number of black and Hispanics. That is the breakdown actually comes to there's more female. There's slightly higher black and Hispanic than white. But the for something that was actually created to help people, it's become like a badge of shame because they shame you for getting it. It's a crime to get the assistance that is provided by the government. Doesn't mean people are lazy. Doesn't necessarily mean that people don't want to work. There are medical reasons. But here we are, folks. Everything is based on the color of your skin. Why is that? Our laws, you know, it says right here welfare lifts up white middle class largely excludes blacks. But yet, we're the ones that's being attacked. They're changing the laws because of black people. What does that mean? That means we are being seen. We are forced to be reckoned with. But see, we're willing to work with anybody and everybody. My grandmother was prejudiced. She always told me to stay away from white people ever since I was little. Because she came from the South and lived through the Jim Crow South. So I get where she gets it from. Interestingly enough, 90% of my friends are white. And I've never treated them any differently. Now, some of their parents didn't particularly care for me because of the color of my skin, but it, it didn't phase us. It didn't phase us at all. So when you look at the, the discrepancies that go on, police officers see a black man or a black woman and automatically they feel that they are less than. So what we need to do is go from the top. Go from the top. Trump didn't even know white people were welfare recipients. He did not know. Now, there's something that came out that shows the disparities and how the black people or people, other people of color are being denied in different ways. This is the, the legal government put on the net. How does that work? A person sitting at the top doesn't do anything. When they write out these bills, if you ever have the time to read a complete bill and read what's in it, you might hear, oh, it's the stimulus package and they wanna have $3 trillion for A, B, C, D. Read the whole bill. When I talk about the pork in a bill, that means it's all the extra shit that they throw in. So the Democrats want one thing, well, the Republicans to compromise if they give them this. 
Democrats come back with something else and then the Republicans come back, well, if you include this as well, then we'll agree to it. And then they come out and say, well, both parties agreed to the bill and each side got what they wanted. The whole time they're doing this, they're not thinking about you. They're not thinking about their constituents. They're thinking about what looks good and what's gonna get them reelected. They don't care about you. That's what we have going on right now. So it's a, sometimes it's a few hundred pages to read everything that's in the bill. And you cannot even read the uh, cliff note versions, meaning you can read it and just look at the bullet points. There is more to the stimulus bill, okay? Part of that is hopefully people that have financial aid get the $50,000 Passover. What that means is those that get it, there will be several millions saying, oh, I didn't know that would take me to a different tax bracket. It will. It will take you to a different tax bracket and you will have to pay taxes on it. So they're going to count that as, hey, you got $50,000 for the year and you don't have anything in your hand to prove it. That's how that works. So as that's making its way through, there's more stuff in this stimulus package. This is why the laws are passing and getting signed by governors so fast because there's more in this stimulus package that the Democrats are trying to put in. Yet the Republican governors want to change laws very fast. Now, I saw the other day that the voter registration restrictions and all that in Georgia might be shelved because they realized that it would be more, as they put it, poor white dudes that are affected. So that might actually change because that's their vote right there is to poor white people. So it's not a win by any means. You're basically saying, oh, poor people don't know. They don't have enough sense to write for, to vote, I'm sorry, for somebody that's going to actually do something for them. That's what they're telling you. So watch the fallout from this trial. It's been kind of quiet for a few days. So the next one up is the 17th with Kim Potter. See where that leads and then pay attention to the trial of the other three officers with the Chauvin case and see where that leads. Also these current shootings, I mean, this is an everyday thing now. You can see it on the news, you can see it on TMZ, New York Post, the Daily Mail, CNN, even the, the foreign countries. You know, you can look at the foreign media but realize that that foreign media is based here in Washington. And this is what they're seeing and reporting back to their countries. Cops aren't just bad in America. Cops are bad all around the world. It's not just our police officers. It's not just our government that's jacked up. It's jacked up around the world. Let's send out blessings to the families that have lost loved ones at the hands of our serve and protect people. And let's also hope that some type of discretion is learned by the man at the top or the man and the lady at the top to do something that's actually going to start, start to stop this action, make officers be held accountable, make the police department be held accountable don't put it in a bill. 
mixed up with a whole bunch of other jargon that most people have no idea what it means. Don't do that. Sit down, sign an executive order stating this is law. This is what's going to happen. Don't worry about what the next president is going to do because when people see that working, they're going to want that to continue. But right now we all know that no president is going to do anything. Obama is speaking out about it now. But as you see, his word doesn't really carry much clout anymore. And it really didn't when he was in office. So let's think about those things. And hey, I'll keep you guys posted on what the heebie-jeebies is going on. And until the next time, you guys be blessed. I'll talk with you soon.